wonder if Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. knows what can happen in fights if he actually puts in an honest-to-God effort and is properly motivated. I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Last Saturday night, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and Brian Vera stepped into the ring for a rematch to their first fight, which was highly contested, but a majority of people believed Vera had won. However, this time around, Julio won with a wide score of 117 to 110 twice, and a third judge uh, had it much closer at 114 to 113. So, now that we see what he can do when he actually gives a damn, and he actually has focus, and he's not being given special treatment all the time, the real question is, can he stay that way? Most likely he will if he can get another big name to fight him. Uh, right now, I know it's only it's been less than a week after this fight, but I'm already looking towards the future. And I'm kind of thinking, who is out there for him to fight? And three names immediately came to mind, and I'm going to explain to you who's sticking out for me and why. The first is Gennady Golovkin. Why? It would be a huge fight for HBO and for both fighters, and this is a fight that could take place at 168 pounds or 160. I could see it taking place at 168 because it would be a good way for Golovkin to test the waters, see how he handles the weight, and if he's victorious in that fight, it could lead lead the way to a showdown with Andre Ward. Those two are constantly talking back and forth about each other, and uh, a lot of people are saying that it needs to happen. It wouldn't be a bad fight. I think Ward would win it, but who knows? Maybe I'm mistaken. However, if it's at middleweight, if it's held at 160 pounds, it would be a good way for Junior to get himself another title if he's victorious and use that as leverage for getting a rematch with Sergio Martinez. The second candidate is Andre Ward, and I really don't want to see that fight. It's not that I have anything against Andre Ward, and I know that a lot of people like to rag on him, say that he's boring... Yeah, he may not be the most exciting fighter, but I don't think he's incredibly boring by any means. I don't even think he's boring at all. That's that's just my perspective, so maybe you think I'm boring, but then again, why are you listening to this podcast then? However, I don't think that it's the right fight for Ward at this time. I think that he really is sitting back hoping to get a shot at the winner of the Frotch-Groves rematch. But... I hope he doesn't wait too long because it's been, uh, we, we had to wait over a year for uh, Ward's last fight, and I don't think we should have to wait another year for him to fight again because he's getting older, and we, re- we really do want to see him, you know, establish himself as a great champion at 168 pounds, and also maybe eventually move up to 175 pounds, which is what has been talked about for quite a while. The third option is Sergio Martinez. Now, obviously there was talk of a rematch between these two minutes after the first fight due to Chavez almost having Martinez out in the final round. But then Chavez failed the drug test because he had pot in his system and that got put on hold. 
because Sergio had uh, his fight in Argentina that didn't go as well as he expected, and now he's got the big fight with Miguel Cotto coming up. Depending upon how he does against Miguel Cotto in that fight later this year, we could see the rematch. However, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't be surprised if the next fight that Julio Cesar Chavez had was with Gennady Golovkin. So, we'll see how that goes. The war of words is heating up between Adonis Superman Stevenson and Sergei Kovalev. The two have been trading insults and jibes towards each other on various news sites, and it's becoming very clear that Team Kovalev is getting tired of waiting for a chance to fight Stevenson. They want confirmation. They want to hear Stevenson say, yeah, it's going to happen, but nothing yet. Now, according to Kovalev's promoter, Kathy Duva, it's very close, but not a done deal. She, uh, Duva pointed out in an interview with BoxingScene.com that if she doesn't hear by, if she doesn't hear from Kovalev by March 30th, and uh, that's the day after Kovalev's next title defense, if they don't hear anything by March 30th, they are going to move on. So we'll see how that happens. I think that even if she doesn't hear anything from Stevenson, that it it, it will happen because it's too big not to happen. Plus, you know, these guys, you know, they're HBO fighters. Hopefully, um, Stevenson is uh, going to remain an HBO fighter, even though he is signed with Al Heyman's. We'll see how that goes. Now, I've requested an interview with Adonis Stevenson. He follows me on Twitter. We follow each other. I sent him a direct message saying, you know, if I wanted to do an interview with you, would that be possible? And he said, you know, send me your telephone number. So... I sent it. So I sent my phone number. Uh, didn't hear anything back. Not not surprising, but at the same time, it, it would have been nice if I had gotten any sort of uh, reply back. I mean, I, I left my number. I'm still hoping to hear back from him because I would want to ask the questions that people want to know. Are you going to fight Sergey Kovalev? What do you think of this ultimatum by main events and Kathy Duva? Is that going to affect your decision? I, w I would ask stuff like that. But at the same time, um, uh, you know, he's a busy guy. He's got his own fight that he's training for. And also, I don't want to be uh, hounding him like some TMZ junkie because the guy could probably find me and then just knock me out with one punch. Adonis Stevenson doesn't seem like the kind of guy you want to pester and piss off. But... Adonis, if you're listening, check your direct messages on Twitter. My number is there. Let's set up an interview. I want to hear your side on this. People are starting to talk. They want to know if this fight is going to happen or not. They say that because you've signed with Heyman, it's not. I want to know from you. And they would love to hear from you, and I know that they'd love to hear it from you as an exclusive for boxing for free. So please give me a call, leave a message, do whatever, but hopefully let's get an answer soon. Antonio Tarver was arrested this past weekend uh, for a warrant out of Nevada for allegedly not settling several gambling debts he took at the Wynn Casino in Las Vegas. Uh, according to the Wynn, Tarver took out $50,000 on July 24th, 2012, another 50000 on the 26th, and another 100000 the following day on the 27th, totaling $200,000. Uh, 
Tarver is looking at some serious jail time if he's convicted. Ugh. I'm sorry, that's kind of why I don't like gambling. I feel that I would constantly tell myself, Oh, no, 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 even though I lost, I can come back, I can do better, and I can win my money back, and then two hours later, I realize, Oh, crap, I just bet my house, and I lost. At least I'm honest enough to admit it. Former middleweight champion Kelly Pavlik pleaded guilty last week to one count of disorderly conduct in a case stemming from failure to pay a taxi fare, which came to $25. For this, Pavlik was fined $300. Not the smartest move on Kelly Pavlik's part, and he makes a lot of dumb moves. Going back to another dumb move, uh, he has a pretrial hearing scheduled for March 17th in a case, a case which he's accused of operating a motor vehicle while drunk. You might recall I talked about that case briefly uh, near the end of last year and how Kelly was justifying his behavior with the dumbest logic possible. Go back and listen if you forget about that because, trust me, it's stupidity on a level that is... It's too absurd to believe. You'd, you hear it and you think... No, th- th- this this is a joke. This this is some sort of act for a reality show, right? And then you find out that it's not, and it's you, you just look at it and say, "Oh my gosh, Kelly Pavlik's a freaking idiot." Moving on, last Saturday was the premiere of the Showtime All Access documentary looking into this Saturday's big fight between Mexican ginger superstar Canelo Alvarez and hard-hitting Mexican Alfredo Angulo. Both of these guys are coming off of losses. As you know, Alvarez, he had the big fight last year with Mayweather, which, despite what the scores may say, C.J. Ross, he lost almost every round. And Alfredo Angulo, he's coming off a somewhat somewhat controversial loss to Arislandi Lara. It's controversial if you are not a fan of Arislandi Lara and if you think he somehow thumbed a man with thumbless gloves, but whatever. He had that disgusting hematoma and despite knocking Lara down, uh, he was stopped in the 10th round. So both of these guys are coming off losses. Both of them feel that they need to win. This is the uh, Showtime All Access documentary look at the lead-up to this fight, so I'm going to be playing audio clips. This is going to be a bit difficult because neither of these guys speak English, so again, I'm going to have to do my best to translate, so bear with me. The episode opens at Canelo's camp in San Diego with him training with the same team he had uh, last time for the Mayweather fight. He'll make it a point that he didn't change trainers as is common with some fighters after a loss. What's interesting is that I went back and watched the fight and I really forgot that I gave Canelo the first round. I thought he did good and I thought it would stay that way, but unfortunately for him it didn't. The sense of timing Floyd has, it's starting to make Canelo gun shy. There's a nice combination by Mayweather. Se va cayendo en una, una decepción en la pelea, una frustración porque no se está consiguiendo golpear a Mayweather. 
Chepo Reynoso is saying that because Canelo wasn't able to connect, he was getting disappointed and frustrated because, you know, you're trying your best, but you can't hit Floyd, but yet he's able to hit you. And that's a big problem. That's what really breaks a lot of guys down. They see everything I do, it's it's not working, and everything he's doing, it is working. That's that's another thing that factors in. You have to be mentally tough. You have to say, no, I keep going, keep going. But a lot of these guys, they just stop because it's like they're thinking, what's the point? Bueno, la pelea con, con Mayweather fue una pelea complicada. No la tomo como una derrota. Es una gran enseñanza para seguir ganando mis peleas. That's Canelo Alvarez saying that he doesn't actually view the fight with Mayweather as a loss, just as a learning experience. And from my point of view, that's incredibly that's incredibly naive. No, you lost. It could have been a learning experience even if you won, but who cares? You lost. You didn't win. If you didn't get the victory, you lost. That's that's what it comes down to, unfortunately. You weren't robbed either, so you can't look at it like that. Like, oh, you know, I don't view that as a loss because the judges took it from me. No! In fact, the judges almost... One judge almost tried to take it from Floyd. I mean, jeez. No. <laughs> that was a loss. And that kind of mentality is not the best one to have. You... You gotta have that that fire that no that was a loss that's going to be the only loss because I can do better in my career and I'm going to prove it with this victory over Angulo but I don't know I don't like the whole oh I don't view it as a loss that's delusional in my opinion. Anyway, from there we transition to uh, Oakland, California, where Alfredo Angulo is training. 500 miles to the north, outside the hardscrabble city known as Oaktown, Canelo's opponent prepares for the bout of his life. Alfredo Angulo has little in common with his famous adversary. A fatherless boy working since the age of eight, it was a series of fortunate accidents that brought him to the ring. It seems that Angulo went to the gym entirely just out of boredom because he had nothing to do. He started working out there, um, and about a few months later, they asked him if he wanted to fight, and a year and a half later, he was on the Mexican Olympic team. Angulo turned pro in 2005, knocking out 14 of his first 18 opponents and earning his first title. But more striking than his record was his style and the way it resonated with his countrymen. Ferocious, unyielding, El Perro the dog. This one, all bite, no bark. Does anybody honestly know of a boring Alfredo Angulo fight? Do, do those exist at all? Because win, lose, or draw, he's really entertaining. Now, this is a part I really was looking forward to because they start talking about him working with Virgil Hunter and if you've listened to Virgil he's a great believer in hit and don't get hit but yet he's working with Alfredo Angulo and it's kinda like wait what? Y you don't really think of not get hit with Angulo so uh, 
Virgil explains their relationship. My philosophy in training fighters is to hit, not be hit. But Alfredo's attitude about defense is offense, and you know, which is a very good attitude to have. If you're going to be a good coach, you have to be able to take each fighter's style and see how you can better that style without compromising who he truly is. And I think that's fairly obvious from his last fight. I didn't see the previous two fights he had with Virgil Hunter, but in the Lara fight, you could tell that he seemed... It, it was like um, Angulo was fighting more intelligently. And obviously it did pay off to a degree against Lara, but we'll get into that. At 31, an old dog can still learn new tricks. But the real test of their collaboration came last June against Erislande Lara, a guy no one wants to fight. Hey, it almost sounds like the people at Showtime have been reading my blog. Moving on. We knew that it was going to be a tough fight going in. Alfredo Angulo, known for his knockout power. The strategy was, okay, well, how do we get the punch power in the proper range? And Angulo, the dog swarming Lara here in the fourth round, and the chance of peril. Angulo mentions that with the most of the arena chanting Pero Pero that it really motivated him and that it was giving him goosebumps and to this day it still does. Now Angulo has Lara on the ropes. Oh, oh my! Lara goes down for the first time in his career! Kind of caught Lara off guard and surprised him a bit. Lara trying to just stave off this attack, but Angulo not giving him any space. Oh, and the left hook drops Lara! That's Angulo saying that nobody had made Lara look that bad before, and I think using the word bad is inappropriate. Not well, not so much inappropriate, but um, it's just not the right words. It's uh, it's that nobody had made Lara look that vulnerable before. It's not that Lara was looking bad at all, because. A lot. Even the commentators were saying, you know, even though Lara's been knocked down in this round, he's still looking pretty good. But obviously, it's an Angulo round, but Lara looks okay for the most part. Stiff straight left by Lara, and there, Lara hurting Angulo with the straight left hand. Angulo has been cut under the right eye. Oh, My. And now Lara may have hurt Angulo with that coming, oh. and Angulo's hurt. He just turned his back, and he's stopping the fight. Wow! wow. Unbelievable. Enter the controversy of that fight. Was it a thumb? No, it wasn't, but I'm gay ahead of myself. Or was it a punch? Yes, it was. It was a punch. Anybody can see that. Um, I've gone back and I've rewatched that fight twice. Uh, I did so uh, this morning. I recorded this in the morning. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, during the 10th round, before the fight stops, you can't, you don't get a good look at Angulo's face, but you can clearly see that there is this grotesque swelling that's beginning, and that it was obviously made worse because Lara was aiming right at it, and the pain from that made Angulo quit. Sorry if that upsets you, because you find Lara boring, but tough. Angulo actually says that um, something scratched his eye and that something entered his eye. What else could it have been but Lara's fist? Okay, but 
it wasn't the thumb. It wasn't an intentional thumbing. I don't know where people... How far inside your own... Are you pulling this out? Really? I'm being god honest serious. How can you believe that that was an intentional thumbing? Come on, grow up. It left me heartbroken, but it also left me very pleased that he could follow a strategy and gave me hope for his future fights. There is more of the episode, but it's it's stuff that we've seen before in other documentary series. We take a look at what the fighters do in their training camp. We take a look at what they do outside of training camp. Um, the only thing that really sticks out to me is that it seems that Canelo doesn't have the same uh, stable of uh, sparring partners that Angulo has available. Angulo is working with fighters like Amir Khan, Andre Berto, possibly even Andre Ward. I know that there was a big controversy about Amir Khan saying that he sparred with Andre Ward, and Ward saying no, Khan and I never sparred. I don't know if Angulo and Ward spar. That'd be very interesting, because Canelo is a very strong fighter, and Ward's, uh, Ward's strength is always being underestimated by opponents. So it wouldn't shock me if those two were sparring. And Canelo is... He's sparring against people who nobody knows. And for all we know, that Angulo has sparring partners who we've never heard of. But anyway, let's get down to my prediction. This really is a must-win fight for both fighters. If Canelo loses... He's going to be seen as just a massive hype job by Oscar De La Hoya. And it will ruin Canelo's image, possibly forever. If Angulo loses, this will be his second loss in a row. And he may be reduced to gatekeeper slash journeyman status. And even though he's an older fighter at 31, it's not something that he wants right now because he feels that he can get better. And that's why I'm picking Alfredo Angulo to win. I'm thinking that he can get better. Remember, he was getting a bit outboxed by Arislandi Lara, but despite Lara, you know, looking good, he was still able to come back and knock Lara down twice. That's not an easy feat for any fighter. And remember, he made Arislandi Lara look vulnerable. Extremely vulnerable. Again, that's not very easy. Canelo Alvarez, in his last fight, he didn't show any adaptability. He couldn't adapt to what Floyd was doing. He couldn't change anything. His corner, I, I have no idea what they were telling him, but I couldn't really get a sense of urgency. Also, the whole, I didn't feel that I lost, I don't know why that's sticking with me, but I have a feeling that that will make some difference in the fight. Don't ask me how! Like, that's just as absurd as the Lara-thumbed Angulo theory, but I think mine's a bit more credible. Um, for some reason, I just see 
Canelo Alvarez losing a close decision in a very entertaining fight. I'm going to be watching this fight. I don't have to pay for it because I'm going to be watching from a sports bar and I've got a gift certificate so I get to eat free. So that's how I'm seeing it. Look for a close decision win for Alfredo Angulo, 115 to 113. Let's hope that the judges will uh, be doing their job properly. Even Virgil Hunter was a bit concerned. He said uh, to Ring Magazine, he has to knock him out. I don't, I have to think that way, knowing what Canelo brings to the table and what he means to Golden Boy and anybody else that feels like he's an asset to the sport of boxing. I feel like we have to knock Canelo out to win the fight. The importance of knocking out Canelo has been stressed to Alfredo. I don't know if that's going to happen. I've never really seen Alvarez really rocked or wobbled or looking even close to being knocked out, but perhaps he has in other fights. I haven't watched all of Alvarez's fights, but uh, if Alfredo Angulo is the one to do it, it's certainly not going to be boring. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us at www.boxingforfree.com. Twitter.com slash Boxing for Free. Be like Eris Lara, Robert the Ghost Guerrero, Adonis Stevenson, and hundreds of others. Follow us on Twitter. You won't regret it. Go to YouTube.com slash Boxing for Free and Facebook.com slash Boxing for Free page. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Zoom, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, please give us feedback and a rating to let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.